And good afternoon. It's 4 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, and this is Finding a Voice. Spoken word program here here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And uh, coming up on the show today in uh, the first hour from an unaired, and this is going wow, all the way back to September 28th, poetry event called Unravel, held at Union Gallery. And uh, it also contained an exhibition there uh, by the same name, Unravel. Uh, you'll hear host Ashley Newton and readings by Haley Sarfeld, Alexandra Brook. Sarah Amtage, Lynn Loon, Alyssa Cooper, and Billy the Kid. And in the second hour from uh, the October, almost going back as far, open mic, trying to get caught up here, open mic reading. In the end, the Journey Continues monthly series. You'll hear readings by Kinman, Ann Graham, Roger Dory, Eric Folsom, and uh, me. And then following that, uh, from the September 6th reading in the same series, and held as part of CFRC 101.9 FM's uh, 13th Annual Funding Drive. You're going to hear readings by, and these are like group readings, so it was done in the round. Uh, You'll see when we get to the second half of the second hour, but uh, readings by Rob Watson, Kinman again, Jenny Marshall, Jill Glatt, Kai Pierce, Anne Graham, Bob McKenzie, Eugene Konakia, and Meg Freer. Uh, This first, though, the usually hourly announcement, occasionally some poetry, spoken word, and music played on this show may contain strong language, but all is played in its entirety with content unedited uh, to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. I hope to have maybe a little bit of time at the end of each hour, uh, more likely the second, but we'll see how it goes, uh, to share a few uh, uh, upcoming calls for submissions and uh, events. So, up first, uh, again, my apologies for this sitting so long, but there's just been, it's been a busy fall uh, as far as readings and events. Uh, so, uh, here is an unaired uh, September 28th uh, poetry event called Unravel, and again, held at Union Gallery. Uh, you'll hear host Ashley Newton's welcome, and then her intro uh, to the first poet, Haley Sarfeld. Well, welcome everyone to this little afternoon of poetry. Um, so, for those who haven't seen this uh, exhibition yet, this is worked up, wound up by Lindsay Wilson, uh, and the project name is "No One Lives Here Anymore" by Dana Reamland. And the two of them are actually graduates from Queen's University. They both did their BFA together, so it was kind of like a little reunion. Um, two shows for them. So we wanted to try to tie in this poetry event with the textile nature of the show, so it's loosely based on the idea of the idea of what happens when things unravel and don't go as planned and things are kind of left messy. So that's kind of what we're encouraging people to, to share with us today. Um, you all know me, but my name's Ashley. <laughs> I work here. <laughs> um, this is now, I think, the fifth poetry event that we've run in the gallery space, so it's always nice to have people that still come and support and enjoy doing it in the space. Um, And just quickly, I want to thank the sponsors of the gallery, so uh, there are quite a few, which is really great that so many people want to support us, so we'd like to thank the City of Kingston, the Queen's AMS, the Kingston Arts Council, 
the Cultural Studies Program, the Society of Graduate and Professional Students, the George Taylor Richardson Memorial Fund, and Queen's University, and also Culture Days. They sent the Kingston Arts Council all these balloons and buttons and postcards, so you're welcome to take anything of that nature home with you. If you want a balloon, if you want a button, feel free to take one. Um, and kind of like I mentioned, Culture Days is also a part of what we're doing today. So that's that. Enough about me. So we're going to bring up the first poet. So first up is Haley. So Haley, come on up. Moths fly out of the side of my neck when I took my head to me. They slip through the slit between the oop and the ah, escape at the space where I pause to contemplate. They rattle just behind my face, press up against my cheekbones, fill the hollows where I could be breathing, where my voice could resonate. They pupate in my echo passage airways, interrupt my likes and ums, and, like them or not, if I refuse to let them out, they handle pinpoints in my focus, lay eggs in the damp spots where my eyes don't like to cry, and let their babies munch on all my soft I try to swallow mothballs, even though they make me cough. They look like little sugar cubes, but naphthalene and paradichlorobenzene aren't so easy on the tongue, the tummy, and the lungs. Sinking, stinging, they sink down my esophagus while fumes rise in my sinuses, kill the little crystalies and make the dangling bodies of the bugs let go of their grip on my cranium's plaster and plunge into the pit of my stomach. Insecticides sicken me. I'd rather inspect a side of pest control that doesn't leave a burning hole where I don't have the guts to wish that maybe, just for once, they could be butterflies. When I was five years old, I had two pet caterpillars in Munchie and Crutchy. They had fat, squishy bodies like puffy winter coats and teeny tiny feet that crawled across my hands. I didn't find them aching. They tickled. I put them in a Costco-sized homeless container with a handcrafted perforated ceiling and watched them get bigger. Munchie grew faster than Crunchy did, his body swelling to twice its size in a couple of days. I thought, he must be pretty proud of his puffy green parka. But then he stopped moving even as Crunchy continued to parade around their plastic palace. Then one morning I awoke to find unfamiliar spindly legs sticking out of Munchy, and after that there was a stranger in the house, an insidious insect crowding the caterpillar's company. My mom looked in a reference book later that day and found the following. A parasitic wasp had laid its egg in Munchy's tummy, grown inside him like a secret, and when it outgrew him, it unzipped my pet caterpillar and climbed out. Mom said, this doesn't happen very often, but to a five-year-old, once was enough. We emptied the homeless container into the garden. I don't know what became of Crunchy. As for the wasp, I imagine it flew off, lived its life, fed its larva to another unsuspecting vessel, and died by the time autumn rolled around with raincoats made of polyester. Maybe if I could line my insides like a raincoat and think in synthetics instead of wool and silk, my moths would find someone else to pester. But moths like fiber. They like to chew through truths, and I can't help that I want to paint billionaires' promises but keep them in their cocoons. So instead, I let them linger. After all, they're only moths. Sometimes I wish they were butterflies. Mostly, I'm just thankful they're not wasps. That was my first poem. It's called Moths. A little bit of that unraveling theme. My next one is called Tongue Tied. I'm not going to read it. If I mess up, it'll be because I'm sometimes, so you know. Thank you. <laughs> There's something suggestive in your intonation as you tease my words apart and point out every contradiction in my difference and repetition. You do it so deftly. I'm an open book to you, and I'm cracking at the spine as I spread myself wider, 
waiting for you to find something that will make you want to pick me up and take me home from this dusty bookstore backroom shelf. You have a silver tongue, and, well, I wouldn't mind a little taste of metal in my mouth. I know you see affection in my sideways glances, and chances are you're interested in me, but I don't want to make a fool of myself if your gestures are just a courtesy. Are you courting me in jest? Is this just the kind of friend you are? A fickle flirt with no intention of making real advances? You one-up me at every opportunity, and it frustrates and delights me to no end. Everything you say is so insightful, as if you have a field guide full of responses and are sneaking peeks as I'm adjusting my glasses. I eat my words like paper ball by the spoonful. Turn up bits of love letters I can never admit to writing. I swallow it all down because it's easier than swallowing my pride. Easier than asking... You always know how to get me tongue-tied. I'm constantly floundering my way through sentences that never seem to fully find their end. I'm loquacious, sure, but you're so eloquent. You turn saplings into oak tree oaks while I, a rambling bramble, am only attached to you by a common root. I get dirt in my paper cuts, digging for connection, trying to find a way to grow this dessert we knot without worrying about wilting wilt battles. So I attempt to transfer you to a typographical tomography. And typical, my fingers can never fly fast enough to track them out to track you. I'll try to tie you to a text. I'll style a text. I'll make a text out tell a tale. Weave together a tapestry. Make mastery of your eyes, your nose, your lips, the little frown you get when you're thinking, the smirk emblazoned on your face when you know you're making mischief. You move across the map so quickly, and still I try to catch you at every turn. When you do turn, my heart stills and quickens. I lose all the courage of the mustering, muttering retreaters if my eyelashes never fluttered. So I let you get ahead of me. Even if I knew you wanted me to catch up with you, we both know that I... You always know how to get me tongue-tied. And you just heard uh, from, uh, the, again, the September 28th event called, it was a poetry event at un, uh, in the Union Gallery, and it was called Unravel, tied to the artwork at that gallery. Uh, again, as, in, as hosted by Ashley Newton, uh, uh, you heard a reading by Haley Sarfeld. Up next in it, and again, introduced by her, I believe, uh, here is Alexandra Brooke. <laughs> Now really goes out the window 
because it's gone from showing off to trying to hide under layers of clothes concealing their broken pride, or rather, they try to change what's inside. No, I'm not talking fixing where hatred would reside. I mean diet pills instead of lollipops. Skipping meals to fit into tiny crop tops so someone can love them more than they can. But at the word love, the lustful always ran. So they sip more diet soda to fit the right size, to fit someone's definition of beauty, to be love in their eyes. But now the pretty girls, they're the ones to run. Because something inside has changed, it's begun. Their self-esteem will not be restored by lovely words in their ear. They will continue the hatred no matter what they hear. So stop now with your pretty. Leave that word at the door. Stop implying that the most important thing about a girl is looks, nothing more. Because pretty girls become disordered eating statistics. And those statistics will only be buried when we stop burying pretty girls. Mm. I have one more poem along the same theme. It's called Dear Body. I'm ready to be your friend. I'm sorry for trying to control you all these years. I'm sorry for getting so wrapped up in my fears. We've been in a battle of hatred and harms since I was way too young to take up these arms. I'm ready to find joy in you again. I'm sorry for using malnourishment as a pick in an effort to carve your beauty into the images that stick. I tried to turn you into my image of perfection in an effort to rid myself of the demons in my reflection. I'm ready to rewrite my wrongs. I turned your porcelain skin into something unknown, into a broken, shattered mess with cracks having grown. I'm sorry for seeing flaw in each scar. I will try to see how gorgeously unique you are. I'm ready to see your worth. I'm sorry for not seeing you're truly beautiful. I'm sorry for being so undutiful to a body that does so much for me, does all the behind the scenes, things I never see. I'm ready to see your beauty. I want to love each curve, each ridge, every floor. I want to love you, how your existence is bold. In a world that simply wants you to disappear, I'm glad you're mine and I'm glad you're here. I'm ready to be grateful. In each flaw I saw, I'll see perfection. Because I can't live my life hating my reflection. For like a snowflake, there's nothing away. So I'll tell self-hatred, hey, take a hike. I'm ready to truly, fully love you. I will learn to love your little bits of flesh. I will learn to love fat as simply a mesh under skin to protect my insides. I'll even learn to love where my hatred resides. I'm ready for the war to end. I'm sorry for considering you so terrible. I want to love you, all of you. You're more than bearable. I will love your folds and your little wiggle. I will love the way you sometimes jiggle. Because you are beautiful beyond belief. Not simply something from which I need relief. I will harvest the garden I'm planting with this seed. I will love you and will always give you what you need. I'm 
I'm ready to finally be your friend. Let's give Alexander another hand. And that was Alexandra Brook, and uh, you heard uh, her from the September 28th event called Unravel and tied to the artwork uh, uh, of the same name at Union Gallery and again hosted by Ashley Newton. Up next in it, here is Sarah M. Tish. Well, I should say two first. I apologize for the quality of this recording that... That squeaky sound you hear was the door outside the door to the room, so my apologies, and uh, obviously there's an echo too, but did the best I could. So anyway, here we go. So based on the nature of these two uh, exhibitions kind of being very textile-based, I thought it would be kind of fun to share some like yarn knitting facts. I don't yeah. know if anyone's really interested in that, but I found these kind of interesting. Um, so just real quick, um, the world's fastest knitter is Miriam Tiggles of the Netherlands, and she can hand knit 118 stitches in one minute. So if anyone's ever tried to knit, that's really hard. <laughs> I've tried, I can't do it. Um, another interesting thing that I actually didn't know until I read this, um, knitting was initially, initially, wow, I can't speak. Knitting was um, originally a male-only occupation, uh, in fact, the very first knitting union that was established in Paris in 1527, uh, they didn't allow women. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting to think about that. But anyway, I thought it would be kind of cool to share um, those, little, those little facts. I'll see what else I can find as people are, are sharing their work. Um, so, up next we have Sarah. So, Sarah, come on up. I kind of took on the theme. I wish I'd been able to actually uh, see the uh, exhibits before. I was kind of in California most of the time they were up. Um, was kind of the, just the idea more of like uh, the, the time of they're using art forms that are from like an earlier time. I think that was like the idea of no one lives here anymore, the embroidery, which you should check out after if you have. Um, but so partly kind of, uh, so I, you know, maybe that's just an excuse to include my time travel poetry. Um, but also just kind of sort of wistful or nostalgic or kind of about forgotten or lost things, which maybe more or less the thing I kind of went with. Okay. So uh, this first one is called A Wager. Let's play checkers on the deck of a 1920s steamship. And if I win, you owe me ice cream, chocolate chip. But if I lose, then Augustine, you can choose where the time machine will take us next. Move your pieces, step with care, guard your soldiers, mind your squares. Cairo in 2019 is a sight to be seen, but between you and I, I would rather stop by the construction of Stonehenge again, or the Jupiter landing, and then travel back to see Shakespeare for tea. We could bring a trapeze, we could swing through the trees. You can kick my piece, please. Thank you, and now it's your move. This next one is called Make, and kind of going with the idea of like the handcrafted nature of the exhibit. Sort of. <laughs> make shift with some cardboard and make for the harbor. Make do with a bit. Make molehills of mountains. Make stars. Make a wish. 
Make light of your troubles and laughter of bubbles. Make fun of yourself and then artwork of somebody else. And I've kind of worn some of the more like older, hidden, forgotten sort of things. This is called Dust Cover Discourse. There are things we wrote in secret codes and hid with pride on the underside of the thin paper coats of our hardcover books, now long overlooked by the world. Things like, hark ye stranger here, look sharp, beware, falling trees and stormy seas and bumblebees and attic stairs. Or guard thee well against the bell that tolls in the night of lightless dreams, and goblins that gobble up peaches and coon, guard thee well. Such splendid advice, very nice of us, yes? And we'll always be leaving our mark. Uh, this next one is called Hide. Thank you. <laughs> um, underneath the carpet, there's aging wood and glue. And underneath the floorboards, there's a space you could crawl through. And underneath this crawl space, there's a panel that can slide. And underneath that panel is the perfect place to hide. subway systems um, were abandoned and forgotten and no longer used uh, somewhere. So maybe in some distant future, um, we have better ways of transportation. I'm not sure. Subterranean way, now forgotten veins, of the city that rises and softly despises the place of its birth and its roots in the earth deep below. Subterranean way, now forgotten veins, turned catacombs and forsaken homes of once raging trains that are silent remains deep below. So was, I think, I forget if I did this before, shared this one, I don't know, do it anyway. It's called an explanation. There's a fish far away that has swallowed a spoon, and a star in the sky which has eaten the moon, and a clinking dishwasher digested a dish, and a well down in Denver once swallowed my wish. And a post office truly, though I'll never know how, ate a letter much better than I write to you now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, this next one is called Press Place. It's a true story. Uh, flat between the pages, pressed between the words. Drying there for ages, in black and white ink cages, trying to read the words. I plucked it from its place so very long ago. It was a Queen Anne's lace, with a marking on its face like blood upon the snow. And now white has turned pale yellow, and crimson almost black. So frail and still and shallow, nothing but a shadow that would crumble at a crack. most of it while washing dishes at the restaurant I was working at. Um, I just feel, I don't know, I don't want to like, make excuses for anything, but just, you know, in case it needs it. <clears throat> uh, it's called The Old Man of Scone Mountain. A long ways away, on a mountain of scones, there lives an old man who has five broken bones. To help him to walk, he has got an odd cane, for his leg bone is one of the five that are slain. His very 
very long beard holds a great many crumbs, and um, for he eats scones all day and occasionally plums. He has very round glasses and a lopsided grin, and though he eats all the time, he is really quite thin. And on the highest of scones, which is sugared and flat, the old man often sits where his ancestors sat. Then he rises again with a creak and a groan, and he dusts himself off, and he eats some more scone. <laughs> How did your bones break? I asked him one day. I fell on the mountain, is all he would say. You fell on the mountain? I asked with surprise. That is what I said, and I don't make up lies. <laughs> but how can it be that you broke all those bones, for the mountain is all made of very soft scones? My bones have grown brittle, he said with a sigh, and shall continue to do so till the day that I die. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this one is called Music. In my childhood, I wondered where music came from, how such sound could emerge from a scrape or a strum. And this was the thought that my very mind spun, that inside a violin was a little violinist, and inside his violin was a tinier one, and in his violin yet another violinist, and on in an infinite run. <laughs> In the bottoms of boxes and corners of bags, in the holes of red foxes, in chasms and crags, there are things I've forgotten that once I called mine. Fieldfuls of cotton and casks of old wine. Still, I'm filled to the brim since I turned up the cart, just belonging to him who created my heart. Belonging is better than owning. It is better to lose than be lost. The sun will rise up in the morning, and my treasures were just a fine frost. And just a quick mention, you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. And you just heard a reading by Sarah Emtish uh, from the September 28th event called Unravel. And again, tied to the artwork at the Union Gallery there where it was held. And again, hosted by Ashley Newton. And coming up, I believe she had some more knitting uh, News, uh, yeah, facts, I guess, is a better word uh, she pulled up. Uh, but after that, I believe her introduction then will be to Lynn Loon, the next poet. happened in September 2012 at the Royal Albert Hall in London, where 3,083 people knitted together for 15 minutes, because that's just what they wanted to do that day. <laughs> okay, so up next we have Lynn. So Lynn, come on up. 
inspired by some random image and now it actually applies to me. <laughs> a paper folded in half 103 times will be as thick as the known universe. I'm going away. Going away, going to stay, going away, going to stay, going away, going to stay, away, starting today. Look at landmarks closer. Like it's the last time I'm going to see the red buses, white trains, the sugar maple growing outside my home. No longer. I start with the places I know. School was a slow 5K down Don Mills, wrinkled with potholes, potholes transformed to sinkholes, taking hold in the middle of the road. Just closing restaurants on Dundas, walls, worn walls pinned with magenta, pink paper flowers, tissue flowers with their wire structures, hook a napkin from a set table to fold more. Sturdy bricks of the local YMCA retract into their sockets. Shuffle, rumble, tall walls shrinking down, down, shuffle, rumble, memories topple into 2D tiles paved on the dirt. With mechanical precision, the glass skies of a topical ripple down like expensive water. Inside a seeing tower, each block of stairs on spirals, unraveling the downtown crystal court tessellates. Bricks sinking into motor, steel beams bowing, windows melting. For one moment, a sharp green copper roof oxidizing history's the tallest spire for miles. Rectangle squares, triangles, nothing, dan floorboards creaking, the church crinkles, air vacuum from brittle bones. Click, slide, clack. Click, slide, clack. As I sit at my desk, click, slide, clack. The last race of day, click, slide, clack. I really don't want to go. Click, step, clack from my suitcase. Click, step, clack. The folding begins. Walls close in, inching, inching, itching to go. Backyard, highway, DDP makes a valley fold, racing down the Don River, splitting the city in half. Shuffle, rumble, click, step, clack. Each avenue, a crease in the mapscape. Shepherd, lusty, young. Steals, grocery store, Finch, mall, hospital, subway, the boroughs compressed, click, step, clack, North York, slots in the Scarborough, Montgomery, clicks to East York, the grid is a net for a cube, the six units join into one. I pinch the green ribbon of the Bloor subway line, wrapped it around like a gift for myself when I'm settled in the future. A Toronto childhood, packed in paper. want wings, you must rearrange the bones in your arms and fingers, then stretch the skin over a period of 40 days. To breathe on the water means no more voice in your gills, conjoining two legs into one tail. Colonizing new planets first requires 30 years of cyber status, 30 years worth of time to think about what you've sacrificed and what has been gained from the loss. Hello, new visitor. Oh. It's okay, go oh. on. Well, Do you have more you Yeah, one Oh, okay, sorry. Wait, this one's not bad, so here we go. We are artists in transit. Me drawing you, sketching her, writing them on paper and sketchbooks. 
Picture this. The subway cars stretch out so long that it sends the curvature of the earth. A few figures in the distance, hunched over, is nearing 11 p.m. Ceiling lights bleach whatever metaphors I can find out of the situation, but I see movements. I see you, sticking glances, a right-handed quick dashes, taking off our chances, completing millisecond sketches. I see you. I feel you. How autonomously we must practice. The same lines over and over, say the line over and over, draw the line, read the line, at the end of the line, you stay on the train. You go backtrack, loop back on a train, still drawing. We are artists in transit, me, I, and her raising a camera in salutation and cheap memory cards mounted to expensive lenses, megabytes, gigabytes, taking up a space for ourselves. Imagine this, flashing the shutter over and over, think 26 letters over and over, please stand clear of doors from east to west to east, forward to nowhere in particular. Write the story that speaks to your soul, came your work to a paying audience, backtrack, there are no laws to writing, Immature poets imitate, mature poets copy, originality shines through. Beware of advice, do this. Where are you headed? Me? Nowhere in particular. I'll step off the train when I feel like it, living on a slip of paper on one ticket. See you later. Round and round the wheel goes forward in circles. Forward in circles, step off the train. Fame is my station, some recognition I deserve for my preparation, affirmation, riches and glory, showering royalty. Go home, you're drunk on possibility. Get some sleep. Your artist in transit goes off, clutching pens, temporary tattoos of possible song titles on napkins, scrawled with lyrics. Wait for this. <laughs> And you just heard from uh, uh, Lynn Loon uh, reading or performance uh, in the September 28th event, uh, poetry event called Unravel and tied to the artwork uh, uh, title as well at the Union Gallery uh, last uh, term. Again, hosted by uh, Ashley Newton. And coming up next, uh, we're going to see if we get some more fun knitting facts, and then you're going to hear a reading uh, by Alyssa Cooper. Hi, another knitting fact. These are all to do with <laughs> records for some reason. So anyway, um, the current non-stop record um, for consecutive knitting is held by Australia at 4 hours and 50 minutes, um, but apparently there is a broadcasting network in Norway that is trying to beat it. So. Norway, Australia are having at it right now, so there's that. Um, okay, so up next, we've got Alyssa Cooper. Come on up. I got an extra shot of espresso in my coffee today, and it was a really bad idea. I feel like I'm going to vibrate into the quantum realm. Uh, so I got three pieces for you today. Uh, two of them are a little shorter, one of them's a little longer. Uh, this first one. Um, I kind of mostly looked at this one when picking up this piece, just the idea of transformation and 
getting from one state to another and still not being finished, which is very much how I feel about myself, as I think we all should. Uh, so this is Crystal Hart. Sunshine, smile, my face knows this shape best of all. Lips invigorated by the stretch, teeth in love with the sun. My green greets the dawn each morning. Like I am addicted to joy, intoxicated by life. I am one of those assholes who believes that every moment is precious. Like children smashing stones to see what's inside. Hoping for crystals, hoping for rainbows. They see diamonds inside every lump of coal as if beauty could be uncovered by breathless acts of violence. And maybe all those years that I spent carving into my skin was just my way of looking for the light. Maybe in the midst of all that darkness, I always knew that I had the potential to be happy. A bright light shining at the end of a long tunnel, and maybe all these wars were just my unorthodox way of getting there. It is true that there are no flowers sprouting up from my scars. I still don't see beauty in the memory of that pain. I will never again open a book without remembering the razor blades that I kept pressed between the pages, tiny secrets, the blessing and the curse of my perfect memory. I will never enter a stranger's home without wondering where they keep the bandages. These hands will never forget the travesties that they have committed. You can move past trauma, but you can't erase it. And like bones once broken will always ache in the winter. I will never forget smashing stones in search of beauty. These fingers will live with the guilt until the day that the 11 of us all die together, wrapped in grave clothes because the sun may kiss my skin. Each summer turn me golden brown like cane sugar, but the pads of my fingers are as white as scars. They are cold ice cubes clutched in the palms of my hands, pieces of me that will never know I am built up of shards of gray, bits of stone that never uncovered a rainbow, and I smile anyways. My teeth standing straight like gravestones because I am done with mourning. I will part the pages without flinching. I never found crystals when I smashed the rocks, but I learned to see beauty in the rubble. Learned that destruction is the same coin as creation, that these ice cube fingers really can water a garden. I learned that my life is a game of chance, heads or tails, and I can't win them all, so instead, I learned to look fondly on the losing. Because when I smile, it is like sunshine. And all of these moments really are precious. So the next piece I'm going to do, uh, it's an older one. I kind of pulled it out of the archives just because I do make reference to stitching and embroidering. So it kind of fit the theme in that way and kind of is thematically similar to the one I just did, but a little more convoluted. Uh, this piece is called The Modern Prometheus. Bastardization of a human being, but I swear I used to be real. Swear I used to be pure. Swear I remember drinking the moon like milk and singing elegies to the wide night sky. But that was before. Heartsick with nostalgia, I flipped through old journals with windburn fingertips like my memory is a photo album. Pages faded, edges worn, but I swear, I used to be that girl 
I used to be that smile lighting up the dark, used to be the rays of the sun bringing life to murky forests, but now I am the loam between the roots instead. And this clay-rich earth remembers being human, remembers being sun and drinking moon. These tree root bones still love, this raindrop blood still yearns, and even the rewriting of my genetic code couldn't change the stars that burn behind my eyes. And when I was human, I stitched a name like a prayer into my skin. I sewed shut these lips to silence my confessions, but I still remember the taste of chocolate cake and whipped cream. I remember breathing in your skin. I remember endless days and secret nights. I remember those smiles, all teeth, molars showing. I don't smile like that anymore. The smile of innocent children, because this new mouth doesn't know the shape. But I remember being human. I remember my before, and how can I be something new when that old name is still embroidered across the palms of my praying hands? The world was old, and we were young. And when I am sick with a fever of memory, I'll pretend that this is the reason. humans being horrible. Um, but I kind of felt like in a weird way it also related to these pieces, so I wanted to include it. This is called uh, Hornets, Bees, and Other Things That Sting. One. Ancient man thrusts his fist through paper walls. He is wet at the mouth, all tooth and claw, trusting in some unspoken instinct that promises sweetness. On the other side, he barely feels the stings, barely sees the warriors falling dead at his feet. He tears through honeycomb in search of gold, and he's willing to drown in the flood. Later, when he sucks the stingers from his swollen flesh, they will taste sweet, too. Sticky sweet in the autumn night, I watch the people two floors up flick cigarette butts over balcony banisters. They streak across velvet skies like fireflies, like shooting stars and alone in the dark. I make wishes. Let them lift the firemen. Let us decay gracefully. Let us not burn in the coming end. Three, the day crowd at the pub is quiet. A single TV plays silent. The sweating pints leave rings on mahogany bar. A streak of yellow batters the window above my booth. He beats himself against the glass, not stupid or stubborn, just alone and confused. There is nothing so transparent in his world. How is he to know how windows work? How is he to comprehend any emotion more complex than this desperate need for escape? Flag down, friendly bartender. He is tall and loud, stretched long like taffy and just as sweet. And when I ask for an empty cup and a coaster, he brings them to me. Watches as I kick off my shoes, climb onto his booth, both arms above my head in supplication, and he tells me it's a hornet, you know, as if he thinks he can coax me back into my seat. Four. Halfway down, 
This street changes names. Same green grass, same gray pavement, but with a single step, you lined up someplace different. No flashing lights or waving flags, just a small green sign on a rusted pole that warns this is where the street splits. On one side is home, and on the other is oblivion, and you must choose wisely. So around here, we don't backtrack. Five, it's a hornet, he says, not a bee. As if the only lives we're saving are those that are useful to me. As if a creature can only be measured by that which it provides. But imagine the death he will die if I leave him here. The lonely starvation of a man deserted. Imagine the hours he will spend at that window. eyeing a freedom impossible to reach. Imagine the burning. Imagine the baking. Imagine the slow crawl of time. And then the hornet is in the cup. And for all his trepidation, when I slide poster between glass and glass, my kind bartender smiles. You've done this before, he says, as I carry cup to door, send my castaway home, and he is gone in an instant with an indignant buzz of transparent wings. No fairy tale finish, no balance paid, just an insect doing what it is that insects do best. Six. You are eight years old, and the bumblebee is drunk on the strawberry stink of your condition. That aeronautical impossibility, wings too small to fly, he flies just fine. You see, it's the landing that's the problem. The wind won't stop moving his morning glory, not purple like the ones that your father grows, not the size of your hand, but small and pale. And the bumblebee is trapped in an exhausting dance with a partner that just won't stand still. And so you steady the vine. He lands. He folds his cellophane wings. And he drinks. You can see the stinger through the fur, a single point of threatening light. It was a bee just like this one that stung your mother, made her scream and cry like the lump below her arm, the color and size of an overripe fig. And you hold the vine, and you are not afraid. Thank you. And you just heard uh, Alyssa Cooper. Uh, reading uh, from a September 28th event at the Union Gallery. Uh, the poetry event was called Unravel and tied to the artwork of the same name. Again, hosted by Ashley Newton. And up next, uh, you're going to hear <clears throat> a reading performance by Billy the Kid and uh, then closing comments. Uh, this will be the five. Yeah, Billy was the final Poet uh, recorded that day, and uh, Ashley then closed the event. So here we go. Here we go. Okay. This one is an actual knitting fact that I will share. It's not to do with the world record, so that's good. Um, knitting first appeared in England during the 13th century in the form of felted caps that were worn by soldiers and sailors. However, knitting did not become a popular method for creating other garments due to the difficulty of producing the steel needles. Um, so originally the needles were made of tortoise shells and um, I believe like elephant husks, which are now obviously not a good thing to do. So 
back then it was a little hard for them to figure out how to make them without hurting animals. So, um, we have one last poet who I think just got here. Are you Ashna? You're not Ashna. Is there an Ashna in the building? Okay, so our last poet is not here. So if there are other poets who um, would like to share their work, whether they're poets who've already read or poets who haven't read, but... I've got a six minute long climate change time. Did you want to do something? Okay, so I'll let you go first and then we'll kind of just cycle through with whoever, okay? So this is Billy, by the way. Billy's going to read... It's Billy, right? Okay. <laughs> By experimenting, I mean I'm in a class. Um, <laughs> uh, with some, uh, some page poetry, so I've got some shorter poems. Uh, they were like, they're like, write a family poem. So I'm like, I'm gonna write two family poems, and only one of them made it to class because the other one wasn't a class poem. So the first one is called Silence. If you turn the crockpot on first thing, meat falls off the bones by dinner. When I leave for school, Ma is still sleeping. She's on the couch. I forget what saw she uses. I think just the one from Farmwood. When I get home, the slow cooker is on, and she is sewing at her desk, and the ribs are swirling in steam, ready when I am. I make the little potatoes, and when I can slip a fork through the skin, I make two identical plates. She likes the grease, the way the meat melts, and sucking on the cartilage. Dinner sounds like chill. Okay, next one. This one is very short. I call, I call it, write a family poem. I have since then changed the title to purple. <laughs> My dog left a dildo on the staircase. It was purple. My mom was downstairs watching Star Trek and sewing. I picked it up, put it back in her closet, and forget if I rinsed it off. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I guess, last poem in the things of oversharing about my mother. Here are some things that my mother has told me. An incomplete list that is very important. When she was 19, she lived by herself in a new place. She worked at a bar, and in the winter, she and her friends would drive south to see the sun. So, I used an anecdote one day to justify living by myself last summer, and she replies, Lol, yeah, but you're my baby. On the subject of bread and indigeneity, she says, My girl, our people never depleted our resources to the point where we had to eat the grass. Now it took me a while to process that by grass she meant wheat, but the subtext of this conversation was, Billy, bread makes you, and especially you, fat. Trust me, it's in your genetics. On the subject of eggs, when I was seven, she told me to shell an egg, tap it lightly with the side of your spoon, slip the spoon into the cracks, and gently lift the shell away. She says she learned this trick at school. It was kind of like a boarding school. 
They taught her other types of table manners and etiquette, such as where to put your napkin, which hand to hold your fork in, and in what language to speak. She says one of the 11-year-old boys there had a mustache, and they called him Macho Man. My mother told me about the Indian residential school system ever since I could remember, but it wasn't until I was 11 that she told me that she went to me. This was the same year we moved to Ottawa. On the subject of Ottawa, she tells me that she hates this city. The summer air is too thick, she doesn't like the way city Indians do things, and she can't learn how to speak French no matter how hard she tries. And that's what the nuns at her school spoke. One night, after tearing down the bilingual cue cards in our kitchen, she says, we're staying here so that you don't have to move as much as I did. After six years, I tell her that this is the longest I've lived in one place. She says, me too. On the subject of Christianity, she says, my girl, we never need the Ten Commandments. Our people have one golden rule that covers all of them and more. Be kind and help people. But don't be stupid. Another advice always back up your files. If you lose your files because you didn't have a backup, then you probably deserved it. Also, never do a half-assed job. If you're not fully doing something, then why are you bothering in the first place? She told me this after I'd done a shitty job at sweeping the staircase. <laughs> my mother tells me that I don't know how to stand my ground. She tells me that I'm too soft and that I need to learn how to cook in single-sized portions. Whenever we speak these days, which isn't often, she always speaks to me as if she's trying to teach me a lesson. These are the days when all I want is to hear my mother tell me, Bill, I'm proud of you. Most days, she says, my girl, I miss you. sort of bury your soul to an audience, so um, let's all give another hand to all the poets today. We can't do events like this without the poets who, who sign up and they eagerly come and they help set up because they wanted to come early. Um, and also thank you to you guys as an audience for coming as well and supporting the gallery. It's a cool way to bring art uh, and poetry together and you guys showing up means that we can keep doing this. So another round for everybody. <laughs> And you just heard uh, with closing remarks by uh, Ashley Newton, who was the host and MC that day. Uh, you heard uh, just before that a reading performance by Billy the Kid. Again, this was held at the Union Gallery uh, poetry event of uh, the same name as the artwork there at the time, and it was called Unravel. 
I will have a few minutes at the end of the second hour today to share some calls for submissions, I believe, and some upcoming events. It's going to be a pretty tight show. I can see looking at what I've got here to air yet, but this afternoon we'll see how it goes so uh i do still have some station announcements that i have to air before the top of uh, the next hour so i guess at this point uh, i i'd like to thank you for having tuned into the first hour of the show today and hope you can stay tuned for the second hour as i air the remainder of readings uh, from the and the journey continues open mic reading held on october 2nd at the elm cafe finally as well get that to air uh which i begun that last week and then uh just a heads up after that as well uh, you're going to hear a few readings from the november event so quickly catching up at least in that series and uh, just a heads up that each show every week uh here of these uh today's as well will be uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after i get home and you can find it there at finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com and uh tell you what i think uh it's about time for me to check out here i will just mention that you are listening to uh finding a voice here on cfrc 101.9 fm my name is bruce here every friday afternoon from four to six o'clock we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca and with that i think i'll just go ahead and start these and i'll catch you on right after the top of the hour and welcome to the second hour of today's show. It is just turned 5 o'clock, and you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Again, we are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, and here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And coming up uh, in this hour... Uh, from an event I began finally airing readings from last week, and it was the October, was and is, I guess, the October 2nd open mic reading in the End the Journey Continues monthly reading series. I'll be able to finish it up this hour, and in it, uh, in fact, I think in even the first 30 minutes of this hour, so there you go. And uh, you're going to hear from it readings by Kinman. Ann Graham, Roger Dory, Eric Folsom, and uh, myself. And then as we move into that next month's event in that series held on November 8th, you're going to hear readings in the round by a number of people, and I'll get to those when we get to it. How's that? Because it was done in the round, so they're in groups of four or five, and just uh, in the round means uh, one poem uh, each each poet uh, gets up and reads one poem and then sits down and then waits for their turn to come back up as we go back through the list again and again. So I guess at this point, uh, just the here, just the usual hourly announcement, occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So coming up first, again, from the October and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series. Up first in it, here is Kinman. Up next, Kinman. Let's bring him up. 
Schneider, City made it feel like an imposter now. Um, yes, um, I too tried to write a poem each day. I remember Jeannie noting in preoccupation, I believe, it's not possible. And my grandson, eight years old wife, sort of tell me it in a more direct way. Somehow you lose me after the third line or when they're kind in the middle. So I have to go back to counting the syllables to find out what was what I left behind uh, in trying to write a poem that closed off yesterday. Um, in this particular one, there may be a couple characters here that might be foreign to you. Musashi, Miyamoto, who was supposed to be the samurai, who survived, went on to be a philosopher, artist, and Chonsu, who was like Plato to Socrates, he was the one who carried Taosi further. So this is the first one. It is time to draw up what I could from my roots, to again engage a flow with birds, fish, and plants, and answer the echoes from voices behind walls. In the raised dust, Musashi resheaten a soil, at even pace to a stream, Chonsu with a fish line. In the backyard, a day within the infinite. The spade, fork, and trowel, the plants to propagate, beg me for a spell outside long before it snows. Their anguished mind to unburden a soul with doubts in a thrust of metal against earth, a breathing. Much like that when I witness a near miracle and think that is how beauty refreshes itself. So I let much that is safe fall through my hand fingers with a beauty that can be regained keep faith. This second is basically about some goldfish that I try to maintain as a tenuous link to China where they were once. And somewhere in between there, Yo-Yo Ma fitting away something like Bach, Pablo Casas in the back, and music. Second, nameless are the two buried under the spruce and the one flush, two with the cherished Oranda heads, had my hopes, and survivors be male, return me to the start. That parallels a time with a muse once wild and then tame. The lines falling easy, then a hunt for syllables. That too is how I learn to live with the public. So I move with music, Yo-Yo Ma or Pablo Casals, in both back directing the crossing of a bow. And I like a fallen leaf to follow an autumn wind. I also crave that of Duke, Otis, Dylan and Marley, 
That's why, as much as I could, I cannot stay the course. There is as much in concert halls as in the streets. With Musashi and Chonsu, my reasons to hope and pray, I search for and work what I can redeem from time past. And this last is basically one of our search. There's a Chinese term inside there called Inpai, which uh, it's hard to describe. But if you ever get to YouTube, you can look up some of those Chinese table tennis players, Malong, Zuken, who's called the club walker. And they play a strange game, you know, with a little white ball and they flow and they move. And Inpai is that, well, in terms of Bruce Lee himself, we talk about it being like water, being able to fill a container. It's kind of like trying to figure out what is coming to you and then taking that and making it flow as only you could. This is my weak attempt at it. The search insists that I insert a dash between and the music is played out without me. Thinking how I can return or secure this path. This wake up has deposited me deep in clouds, my mind reeling from an extended dream of a woman, news-like, with a child between these. All is a suggestion with little resemblance to that dance or idea I exchanged once, with a smile when enjoyed, or when could, a world lost. Like water, as described in Inkpai, in a strike, executed by one mindful of soul, of birth and death, and a deal with the elements. I can no more avoid these clouds than a day, night, or with the yin yang roll, an old view to pardon. Good man, let's give him another hand. And you just heard Kin Man uh, from and his reading in the October 2nd and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series held at the Um Cafe. Up next in it, here is Anne Graham. Up next, Anne Graham, let's bring her up. Hi there. I'm waiting for the day when he has to put it up. <laughs> I don't think it's going to come soon. This is uh, Thanksgiving Day, and uh, I've just changed it around a little bit. What words shall I write this Thanksgiving Day? Gratitude is the primary emo emotion. Thankful for family and friends, and being grateful, seeing this wonderful cosmos. Grateful that I have lived, loved, and been loved. Recognizing this most valuable fact, to experience love in all its guises, in all its, in all its immense joy and painful loss. All I have ever longed for, strove for all my life, was to be fully present and experience loving. What we love is the journey's quest, so simple, but it can take a lifetime to search. 
chopper. Red is its color. Fire is the image. It invokes my psyche burning flame. I'm burning deep in my gut, I'm burning. Breathing scalds my throat and I imagine smoke, red acrid smoke. My token animal is the dragon. She was born with me and will never leave. My dragon and I are symbiotic. I will always burn. It's the way we live, joined at the hip. This is why I write. Writing cools the fire, does not extinguish the flame entirely, but is an expression of the searing heat. Might even be this writer's smoking gun, motivation. Oh yes, I burn, hoping to pass on the flame, hoping one day to ignite entirely, follow the phoenix, then rise from ashes, maybe in another form, but present, always present. And this other, I hope you'll forgive me, it's kind of an experiment. So I'm going to, there are two people should be acting this. So I'm going to use two different voices. Just bear with me, okay? <laughs> I don't know if I can get through this. So it's called A Jewel with Age. One morning last week, I took a quick peek in the mirror. Quite content, I walked on. I heard a voice so near, so clear. It spoke, putting fear in my ear. Do you see that face? It's turning to waste. I can't believe it's you in the mirror. When you're awake, do your little hands shake? Oh, may I ask, how is your love life, my dear? Away with you, age, just mouthing my fears. I think I don't know you've stalked me for years. You tried to get started when I was young. You ugly parasite and never done. I see you're afraid no longer the maid you once were. Now you need a dim light to support the illusion all is right. You're losing the fight. Yes, I'm winning. It is true that I once flirted with you when I was vulnerable, foolish and young. Naively wishing that I looked older. You should understand that youth's song is sung. Oh, you're so sweet, I'll continue to eat. I simply can't resist snacking, my dear. I know you scarce miss the portions I kiss. I love you, so you've nothing to fear. Stay away from me, you liar, you thief. You cannot fool me into the belief of your power. Your craven way is to weaken your prey before you have courage to strike. I don't need courage. You're my work of art. So be so kind, my dear, as I start. You may want to treat me with more kindness. Your speech betrays a strange type of blindness. Kindness? I see my friends one by one, their youthful looks faded when you're done. Their vitality sucked out day by day. Their skin left withered, so withered and gray. I hate you, age. So what made you so cruel? I challenge you, coward. Let's have a duel. Let's meet you and you and me face to face. If I win, you're handicapped. You'll erase. Humor will be my weapon of choice. I know you lack talent, giving it voice. Let's go. It's time to fight instead of flight. Go, age. It's time to run. Now I'll have fun. Ha! Ah, 
Um, yes, this is true. It's time you awoke. You don't realize that I am nature's joke. She allows me to play so timely on you. I'm amazed that you don't know this is true. I live in your genes. We are both to blame. Therefore, neither of us will win this game. We must both exist together this way. Time to stop fighting and live day by day. Unfold your own myth, Rumi wrote this adage. So mine this month is that I have courage. I leave fear behind with all my baggage. Boldly stepping out of my comfort zone. Courage means bravery, integrity. To try something new, embrace the unknown. Success is not final, Churchill once wrote. Failure is not fatal, it is courage. To, con to continue that counts, and I quote, that that doesn't kill us makes us stronger. I'll prove this in my life, I know it's true. So I'll take my chances and then live longer. <laughs> and um, this is going to go in a memoir that I'm trying to write um, in poetry. <laughs> so it's called Epiphany. I was a kid on the street, a nobody, which was strange because my body was all that I had. I could be anybody anyone ever wanted. As a kid in custody, I was one more mouth to feed, more trouble added to the files, loaded with too many nobodies. The existential questions, who am I, what am I, came too late. I, having been many things, many pieces, lived many fragmented lives. It was an epiphany discovering constant me, so bright, so enlightening, it literally blew my mind and I was reborn. Constant me saved me, knew where and what I had been, yet I felt more accepted than I had ever been before. Zan Graham, let's give another hand. And you just heard Ann Graham from the October 2nd, and yeah, 2nd, I almost said 22nd, October 2nd, and the journey continues, open mic reading in that monthly series. Up next in it, here is Roger Dory. Up next, Roger Dory, let's bring him up. The song is called Please Don't Ask Me. It's the first song I wrote after a 14-year writer's block. And it is the second song on my CD called The Ten Greatest Sad Songs in His Life, which I do have the back for sale. Please don't ask me for the reasons And do I ever regret leaving 
So many times I hadn't turned out this way. You and I refuse to compromise, confuse the truth with taking sides. We fell silent and watched as our love died. Late at night, I'm all alone. Face the mirror when I went around. Truth has no mercy, cut straight to the bone. We pay so dearly when love is gone, love is gone. Please don't ask me if I'm lonely. I still my one and So many times I wished I could walk through your door. We built walls to harbor held on the secrets of feelings and danger. Close our minds, walked away between the strings. Late at night, I'm alone. Face the mirror when I walk around. Has no mercy, cut straight to the bone. You pay so dearly when love is gone. Love is gone. Please don't ask me if I'm crying And do I ever think of true? So many times I pray for faith to make me Maybe tomorrow we'll have understanding Maybe tomorrow we'll have hope show my age uh, here that uh, there was a time when uh, people lit their cigarettes, well people smoked cigarettes, right? There was a time people smoked cigarettes, right? And they lit their cigarettes with matchbooks. I don't know if you remember that, Bruce. Oh yeah. But some matchbooks used to have advertisements for courses that would take you on a career towards success. Some of these matchbooks would have these courses that you could actually check off. And that's the premise of this poem. Anger management. 
Eyewitnesses said a person held a matchbook, filled in their address, including postal code and telephone number, checked off the box for anger management, and proceeded to light the house on fire, screaming, High school, best series of your life, not the greatest incentive for a formal education, then dropped out of the system before the rescue units arrived. Later, response to the inquiry came priority posts. Course canceled due to lack of interest. Please choose another option. <laughs> Thank you. So that's Roger Dore. Let's give him another hand. And that was Roger Dory from the October 2nd, and the journey continues, open mic reading in that monthly series. Again, held at the Elm Cafe. Up next in it, here is Eric Folsom. Up next, Eric Folsom. Let's bring him up. So I'm going to start with uh, what I've been doing the last uh, few months, uh, a bit of a translation of Jean Cocteau. Uh, this is from Jean Cocteau's uh, series called Cryptography, it's the sixth poem. If the work prepared me sheared up. If the work confines me and rarely will give ease I call my own. At certain moments then out flicks the shiv that pierces me to the bone. Such walls, I keep forgetting, belong to the muse who says in wise derision. You think these walls are just here to amuse? Get back in your prison. Outside, time believes it hurries on alone. Sandals dressed for flight. But back in my cell, I watch great slabs of stone lengthening into night. Okay, and that was just the one. Um, I I thought I wouldn't bring anything new. Um, I thought I'd oh, just I got had these old books. I'll bring something that I wrote a long time ago. Um, then I looked at the uh, Kavanaugh confirmation uh, hearings. And I, I couldn't forget them. And, um, so I did write something new. Um, anyway, more, more stuff to cheer you up. Um, doesn't, doesn't quite need a trigger warning, but almost. On public property. This is the poem I couldn't write. The poem I should have written. 40 years ago or 25 years ago. A poem is yet another strategic use of words. A poem is a way to offer belated thanks because the sky is watching over us. 
a poem as the sharp-edged ruler lying across a sheet of paper preparing to rip it in two. Imagine you're young, 19 or 20. Imagine you've decided to cut through the park that divides downtown from your neighborhood. Imagine it is summer and your denim cutoffs are tight and your t-shirt snug and you still have an amazing 30-inch waist, shoulder-length hair because you like the way longer hair feels against the back of your neck in the breeze. There are two men leaning against a tree watching you. Is this a cruising spot? But it's public property in early afternoon and who would cruise here at this time of day? You think maybe you're getting too paranoid, but they're still staring, and you decide not to look back. Your bag is army surplus and your clothes a little faded and threadbare. You still do not look back. They can't be thinking of robbery since you have nothing worth robbing. You're calculating distances. You wish you weren't wearing sandals. I haven't mentioned your gender, because gender doesn't seem to actually matter. That's what your gut is telling you now, that gender isn't really the issue. Predation is the issue. Taking something from you is the issue. Dominance is the point. How I wish this ruler across the page could tear the paper cleanly cleave the halves and separate them so you wouldn't have to worry. But we know it'll never be that easy. Or that's safe. That's why I couldn't write the poem until now. I began thinking how I could be less desirable, how I could walk ugly and scowl, how to swagger, how to stomp. It barely occurred to me. Folsom, let's give him another hand. Yeah, and that was Eric Folsom from the October 2nd and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that series. Up next from it, and the final reading that evening is mine. So here you go. And I just have four short poems here, so first poem is called Late Morning Park. Late Morning Park, quiet, mid-September. The sun and the heat of all the days before attempting to hold the most of themselves, clinging to an ever so slowly fading summer. But the shade of this tree and all trees around allowed the breath of a breeze flowing from the lake in waves brings with it the first whisper of autumn and old memories of color and root. And like uh, Meg did, apparently I did too, I brought two poems from uh, the 100,000 Poets for Change. This is called Tattoo. 
We will have tattooed our names into the flesh of the earth. It will take many lifetimes for that image to fade and a millennium for the full wounds to heal. But the scar will ever remain. And this is called On a Morning Walk. Early morning, dead black squirrel on the side of this well-traveled city street. There is a long story about this street, its history. There are other stories related about rural migration, urban growth, a mobile society, all stories, but preface to this and none as important as that longer story in even just the last minute of a young animal's life here this morning lost in that last minute in the black hours before in the dark of night a black city street almost lifeless, a black squirrel lifeless becoming, both here in it, now nameless. And again, uh, before I read my last poem, I just want to thank all of you for coming out, all of your wonderful readings and performances tonight. Thank you. This is called Moon. In that long sentence written in and as a night's black sky, the slivered crescent moon hangs as comma, reminding, softly instructing, to pause, reflect. Thank you. And that was my reading at the October 2nd, and the journey continues, open mic reading in that monthly series, again, held now at the Elm Cafe. And uh, just before we move into the uh, November readings, uh, I should probably do this, just to let you know you're listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. My name is Bruce here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. So let's go ahead and move into that November reading. Uh, the next in that series was held November 8th. And the event that evening was also a collaboration with a CFRC 101.9 FM's uh, 13th Annual Funding Drive. So uh, we did, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we did uh, readings a bit differently. Uh, they were done in the round. Everybody just wrote their name down on a, on a sign-up sheet, and then we just keep working our way through. Uh, that sign-up sheet, I think we made it through three times. Of course, it gets a little bit shorter. Some people have only uh, brought with them one poem or two poems. So uh, you're going to hear just the first two groups. And I, what I did is when I uh, edited this sh uh, the readings and uh, put them together, uh, rather than <laughs> uh, every minute me coming on here saying, you just heard, so what I've done is grouped them in uh, four to five uh, 
uh, poets per group. So let's just do it. Coming up uh, in this first group, uh, here are, you're going to hear uh, from that event, Rob Watson, Ken Manigan, uh, Jenny Marshall, and Jill Glatt. One thing I want to do, and we deserve to give them a hand as too, I give them a hand as well, is uh, Logan and Matthew in the Elk Cafe and Kate, who's taking care of us tonight. Let's give them all a hand. Okay, let's bring up Rob Watson. Okay, this is called Angels of Chaos. A murder of crows flew over as I stood at the bus stop. I have never seen the like, so many crows together all at once. Ka, ka, they cried. Yes, I saw them and thought of you for some reason exists, but so does nonsense. Talks, but does not walk. Anarchy exists in nature. Indeed, all of nature is chaotic, as one tries to overcome another every day in every way. Dominance and death, the natural order, Patterns exist, but they are like dice rolls. You never know just what you will get. Here is a cobra, here a mongoose, here a thunderstorm, terribly loud, and the random lightning strikes illuminate. Energy moves higher and lower as well. Time is a spell of human patterning. The dice roll and reveal snake eyes. A rough hoon piece of marble strikes at the heart. A raw sculpture about a kiss. Me once, I may not know. Kiss me many times, the joy will show. The man, a path straight to the heart of it all, comes along, it all matters. Random meetings and tall gestures confirm how they feel. Closer are the feathers, closer are the wings, upstretched and angel coupling. There we call it like those crows overhead. There we fly together. This is Rob Watson, let's give him another hand. Next, Kid Man, let's bring him out. Okay. I'm counting syllables these days, so you all are okay, that's going to be short. Hail memory, daughter of time and place, like a layer in a rock at a depth, with centuries, not years, laying it down. Among stars beyond calm, the psyche range to locate a hero or useful god right in the night sky to return us home. Faith in what is fixed in a mortal turn, hope with memory fixing fear or joy. Spin me around to one revealing such. That's the event. The crowd trusting their hearts, tossing the stone to hurl back to the heap and stepping back from a public outrage. How we can spend time around, ignore place, lies in the shadows, in the depths of our heart. Okay. Let's give him another hand. Up next, Jenny Marshall, let's bring her up. Hi there. 
this uh, poem I wrote when I found out that my sister-in-law was diagnosed with cancer. However, since this poem has been written, I have the good news of saying that at this point she's in remission. So I'm really happy about that. (laughs) Within, it's called absorption. Within my sacred space, scary sickness permeates. A loved one is teetering between a full, precious life or some undesirable outcome. My heart becomes unglued. I have misplaced my courage. The time has come to reach inside. So, I pray my guts out, taking time to swallow fear, panic, insecurity, while spitting out any perilous possibilities. Send me peace, grant me strength, bolster up my plummeting perspective. At long last, pink pearls of wisdom massage my bruised brain. My head stops pounding. My worries silently seep into the internet. I am no longer alone. I can do this. Surely, steadily, strongly. As God is my witness, absorption is a beautiful thing. Thank you. Jenny Marshall, let's give her another hand. Up next, Jillian Black. Let's bring her up. Okay, hello. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit and read four short poems at once because all of my poems are really short. Uh, these fit into a theme, though. I'm trying to put together a little grouping of one poem per month since I since I moved to Kingston because. It was, a, it was a really transformative part of my life. Um, so I'll read the first four. One. Relentlessly solitary, asphalt rivers and tributaries, heavens purging themselves of water, I would not let myself produce. A month of rain, seeking, searching, waiting. Two. Walking with the sun rise until the moon comes out, these nights are soft, and my world is ginkgo trees, sore feet, cerulean view. Three, obliviously, blissfully, outstretched, knotted hair drying, toasting on shoulders, and burning sand exhausted from the sun and relief that I was even asked to be here. Five, dark canopy sheltering, swallowing us, throwing acorns as far as we're able beyond the bleachers, shoulders abreast, a hand's breadth. I could almost kiss you. I don't. Thank you.
That was Jill Glatt. Let's give her another hand. And from, again, the November 8th and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series that was held in collaboration, I guess is the best word, with uh, CFRC 101.9 FM's uh, annual 13th annual funding drive. Uh, you just heard readings in this order by Rob Watson, Kinman, Jenny Marshall, and Jill Glatt. Up next, uh, a second group, uh, and uh, there, I believe there are five in this one, and these will be the last group of readings that I air today. Uh, but coming up, you're going to hear Kai Pierce, Anne Graham, Bob McKenzie, Eugene Kornakia, and Meg Freer from, again, that same event. Up next, Kai, let's bring him up. Uh, this one is, as of yet, untitled. <laughs> Captain of the Dawn Weaver, lower your tapestries to catch the last breaths of autumn and sail toward morning. To cast this canopy of peonies into the sky, an infinite pink morning, the backdrop for my rebirth. Oh, Captain, how many days have we been at sea surviving our just vapors? and the few remaining crumpled petals now littering the cracks between the floorboards. All that is left is what I must persist on, a miracle that this summer brought gardens so dense, so lush, that I could not see the earth from which they grew. something of my own, but Linda Stitt, and I had never heard of her, but I had went to an event, and she was on the, she, a little old lady, she must have been 90 years old, she was on the stage, and when she got on the stage, she was just amazing, so that's what I want to read tonight. It's called Artifact. I was offered a paint-by-paint paint numbers life of circumscribed colors and designs with traditional patterns, nice and neat, but I couldn't stay within the lines. So I scribbled outside my social class, my duties of mother and wife, and I scrawled my name on experience. It may not be art, but it's life. And often it stirs me into a crowd, and sometimes it sets me far apart. It spatters my senses with splashes of bliss, and dashes love's pigments into my heart. And I am quite content with this untidy life, my artless art. That was Anne Graham. Let's give her another hand. Up next, Paul McKenzie. Let's bring him up. Hey, this is a sort of homage to private eye shows on television. 
Uh, it's called Seamus. Gentle as light rain, the jazz blows soft, echoes blue and gray, shades of the street awash in October dusk. Hands in trench coat pockets, the Dora tipped over eyes, wary of shadowed threats, I walk the street alone, slow as the saxman plays. Look back and light up in lamplit circles soft as the rain is falling. Become a shadow still waiting for something to happen in evening rain. Alone under a street light watched like I'm crazy by a guy playing soft jazz on an alto sax. Bob McKenzie, let's give him another hand. Up next, Eugene Karnakia. Let's bring him up. It is raining. And I? It is raining. This makes me think. I am thinking of becoming a self-made man of clay, a well-lettered golem with a sense of syntax and color. And being a man of clay, I would then go down to the river and gently walk in, baptized, dissolving, flowing down the river to other greater rivers to become the clay of kingdoms' foundations and peasant mud-brick huts, the shards of broken wine jugs, or river bottom, the great turtles like it. Thank you. Well, Eugene Karnakia, let's give him another hand. Up next, Meg Freer. Let's bring her up. This is called Consequences. <clears throat> Snip a bit here, a bit there. Erase a person, remove an event, alter a date. In fact, delete your whole past so your future doesn't know why or how it is. And while you're at it, rip up the future too, just in case. Mass self-censorship in advance. And for goodness sakes, change your underwear in case you end up in the emergency room because it's all about appearances anyway. Associations, connections that become a juggling contest in the media circus to see who will drop something first. Decades ago, in the Moscow circus, did the dancing bears who balanced on tall poles wonder what you thought, consider future consequences, or did they simply keep rolling on those giant balls and hope not to fall off. Thank you. What's make Freer? Let's give another hand. And you just heard in this order uh, readings by Kai Pierce, Ann Graham, Bob McKenzie, Eugene Karnakia, and Meg Freer. Again, this was in the November 8th, and the journey continues 
monthly open mic reading series held again at the Yom Cafe. And uh, again, that evening, uh, the particular evening, uh, was held in conjunction with uh, CFRC 101.9 FM's uh, uh, annual funding drive, 13th annual funding drive, I should say. And uh, this uh, uh, featured event in that uh, lineup of events, outside events they had that week. Uh, and uh, and a reason for, again, as I explained, a readings in the round. And I hope, I don't believe I'm going to get into more from that next week, but I'm hoping the week after. So I've got something else lined up for the show next week. Uh, in fact, I'll just give you a heads up now. It's going to be, it's going to actually take up the whole show because there were interviews and a reading event, uh, and it was all part of Invisible Publishing's uh, uh, November, oh, I've forgotten the date, I think it was the 19th uh, book launch, uh, uh, Kingston book launch of their fall series, but that's what's coming up next week, and so... I think there's, and there's no room uh, in that one for anything other than that, so in that show, so which is wonderful. So I'm finally getting that to air as well. And so, um, as mentioned at the top of the hour, I do have just a few minutes, and there are a lot of events coming up this week, uh, a few minutes to, uh, purposely to share a few announcements. Uh, so I don't know if I'll get to calls for submissions, but we'll definitely get into the events. Before I do that, though, I do want to thank you for tuning in today and uh, just to let you know you've been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. And my name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. And we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And one more thing, just want to remind you that uh, each show, uh, each both hours of every uh, Finding a Voice show uh, uh, will be uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after the show ends. And uh, you can find them there at Finding a Voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. They will remain there for four years. So uh, let's just jump into this really quick because there's one I just found out about. It's happening Monday night, actually. So uh, it is a, it's an open mic hosted by Queen's Poetry Slam. It's going to happen at the Tea Room uh, right here on campus, uh, 45 Union Street. Uh, just, uh, I think everybody knows where it is, at least everybody on campus. It's on uh, the corner of Division and Union. Uh, it's going to run from 7.30 to 8.30. It is, uh, event is $5 or pay what you can. Uh, sign up at the door. Again, uh, they put in, and there's a Facebook ad for it. Check it out. Uh, just go uh, Queen's Poetry Slam, open mic. Uh, that'll probably get you there. Uh, and so they're just encouraging, like, newcomers, uh, one-time poemers, they call them, and music players, uh, and just people that want to sit out and chill and listen to some of that stuff that enjoy it. So, again, the Tea Room, uh, this Monday, 7.30, January 14th. And then coming up, uh, the third Wednesday of each month, uh, there is a Poetry Pro sharing group uh, that is run by Ann Graham, who you heard uh, at least a couple of times uh, this afternoon. And it's a third Wednesday and held at the Kingston Unitarian Fellowship Hall from 2 to 4 p.m. So uh, they welcome anyone interested in writing or reading poetry and prose. Uh, the next one coming up is January 16th. So uh, 
Just found a mistake there. I better make sure I fix that. Uh, so they suggest coming in the side door, and it's at 2-0. The Kingston Unitarian Fellowship uh, is at uh, 206 Concession Street. Again, Wednesday, January 16th, 2 to 4 p.m., that same day, it's a busy day, um, the annual Arts Birthday Celebration will be held at the Union Gallery. Uh, check out details uh, at the Union, uh, on the Union Gallery's Facebook page, but that's happening at 6.30 p.m. Wednesday is still January 16th. And uh, then there is also that evening at from 7 to 9 p.m., a book launch signing at Novel Idea Bookstore. Uh, that will run from 7 to 9 p.m. In it, uh, Manesha Sinha will be discussing and launching their new book, A Slave's Cause, A History of Abolition. Again, Novel Idea Bookstore, January 16th, Wednesday, 7 to 9 p.m. The following night, <coughs> excuse me, uh, uh, Dave Austin will be launching two books at Novel Idea Bookstore on January 17th, so Thursday, and again from 7 to 9 Again at Novel Idea Bookstore, and the two books are called Moving Against the System and uh, Dread, Poetry, and Freedom. And those are both published by The Lines Books. So let's see. And there is another one coming up. Again, Novel Idea Bookstore. This one will be Saturday, January 19th. Uh, Megan Hotchkiss will be launching and reading from her young adult novel called Sea Drop Pendant. And uh, January 19th, the store closes earlier that night, so this does start at 6 p.m. instead of the usual 7. And I believe this is supposed to be book one in the projected uh, Marinesia trilogy. So again, Saturday, uh, January 19th, 6 p.m., Novel Idea Bookstore. If you don't know where that is, it is at 156 uh, Princess Street, which is right on the corner of Baggett and Princess. I think I got time to very briefly mention, too, one coming up the following week because it is uh, their first reading of this term, uh, and it's a series. Uh, it's the Creative Writing at Queen's uh, Reading and discussion series that will be featuring Brendan McLeod, and he is. Uh, uh, I would definitely recommend going to their page for a little more of uh, that. I'm going to be able to add here, but that's coming up Tuesday, so a week from Tuesday, January 22nd, from 1 to 2:30 p.m. in Watson Hall, room 517. Uh, I will just mention quickly: Brendan uh, McLeod is a Toronto-based spoken word artist, theater artist, and musician. Uh, he uh, was the 2012 Poet of Honor at the Canadian Festival of Spoken Word and 2015 Poet of Honor at the Victoria Spoken Word Festival. Has an MA in philosophy from the University of Waterloo. That's as far as I'm going to get with these today. I do want to thank you for tuning in this afternoon, and uh, hopefully I'll have time to share a bit more next week, but check all those websites out. And please do, uh, right after you hear these announcements coming up, stay tuned for uh, two hours of East Coast music at the top of the hour in a show called Saltwater Music, hosted by Rob Carnell. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. Catch you here next week. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. 
Infrastructure support for the CFRC Podcast Project is provided by the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. For more information or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.